I'm going to tell you a quick story. Street performers tell great stories. I remember seeing you sweat. Be they comic or tragic, they're always entertaining. Oh my God, what a good one. This is a Stories from the Pitch short. Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a growing oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. There's a certain element of risk when it comes to performing on the street, and restraining yourself in a straitjacket ups your vulnerability quotient considerably, making you an easy target should things go sideways. You'd think, given this reality, it might be wise to minimize the potential for hostilities by resisting the temptation of delivering a quick zinger no matter how amusing you thought it was. But when funny supersedes reason, the results can be hilarious, as demonstrated in this classic example of jumping and having faith that the net would appear. I give you a great tale of the planets aligning, as told to Lindsay Lindbergh by Bobby Maverick. I'm hanging out with Bobby Maverick. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we're trying to collect those stories that are legendary. I've got one. Don't insult steroid babies while in a straitjacket. I was in New Orleans. This has been about three years ago. I was working what we call the Big Pitch in New Orleans, which is the steps, the amphitheater across from Jackson Square. For some reason, the Dragon Master Showcase was out of town, and I saw it was open. I took it. The weird thing about this pitch is, it's probably the, there's only two pitches like in the United States, New Orleans and in Seattle. It's the steps are you're facing the steps. All the traffic is behind you on the sidewalk. So the big challenge is to get people to walk over, sit down on the steps. Then you have to keep them entertained long enough to get more people and continue to get more people to come over. So it's like a 30 to 45 minute build and the steps will hold five, six, seven hundred people. And unless you have at least a couple hundred people there, it looks empty and sparse. It was about 85 degrees. I'd been working for 40 minutes to put people on this spot. And I had it pretty full and I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to bank on this one, you know. And they're laughing, having a good time. And I had just gotten in to the straight jacket and from the top of the steps, there's some other steps that go up, and you go to the moonwalk is what they call it. There's some cannons up there and some historical stuff. You can walk up those steps, keep going to the river. Well, two beefcakes come walking down through the show. Now, the way the steps are, there's people. It's, it's an amphitheater, basically. They're all just in there. So these guys are... And these guys are steroid babies. They're just huge, muscle-bound, corn-fed some bitches, and they're like, "Excuse me, excuse me," and they're walking through the people, and the people are trying to get out of their way. They're like, "Oh, I gotta try, try to get through here." I'm thinking these meatheads can't walk down the ramp over there. You know, they're just—they've been drinking, and they're—it's all about them. And I stop and I look at them. And earlier in the show, there have been times just comedic things that happened in the show where all it would take was me to just stop and look at someone and the whole audience would laugh. It was just, the stars were aligned that day. It was just, everything was firing. And these guys are walking down. I just stop and look at them. I'm in a straitjacket. There's 500 people looking at me, watch these two meatheads, these two goons, come down through the show. I look at them and go, what's happening, fellas? And people kind of laugh and give a little bit. And they go, uh, go to Bourbon Street. You know, they're yelling, we're going to Bourbon Street. I was like, oh, of course you are. And everyone starts laughing again. And I was like, yeah, guys, stick around. See the show. All these people have waited for you to get down here. You might as well watch the show, you know. We're going to Bourbon Street. And they start to walk away. 
And of course, I watch them. They get about 30 feet from me down the sidewalk. I turn around, look at the audience, and I nod towards them. I go, first date. The audience loses it. They're like, ah, they're dying. Now, one of the meatheads turns around and goes, what did you say? I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't want to interrupt. Come over and watch the show. It's okay. Look, I have a homosexual section right up front. Have a seat. We'll all get along. And he goes, oh. And now at this point, you can see him. The pistons aren't firing. He's a meathead. He doesn't have a comeback. So I'm waiting. Of course, it's either going to be F you or I'll kill you. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Here it comes. And he's got his arms kind of like in that bowed, like Arnold Schwarzenegger motion. He goes, at least I got a job. And I look at him, and without thinking about what I was doing and, and what predicament I was in, I was in a straitjacket. I look at him and I say, sir, being homosexual is not a job. You were born this way. Just accept it and enjoy the show. He goes, I'll kill you. And he comes after me. And he starts to jog after me. So if you can imagine this guy's about 5'8 and 3 foot wide, solid muscle, chasing me. I'm in a straight jacket. Now inside, I'm screaming with panic. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die in front of all these people. This guy's going to pummel me. And I start running. And I have my rig there. So I run around the rig, but I begin to laugh maniacally. I start going, ha, 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 I'm laughing, and this muscle head, this me head's chasing me around. The crowd is dying laughing, and I'm thinking, this is great. (laughs) But after about the fifth time around, I realize he's not going to stop chasing me. I thought for sure after two or three times he would get tired, and it's kind of like, you know, a dog chasing a squirrel. You know, screw it, I'll go sit over here. He doesn't get tired. He comes after me. So I run up into the audience. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, move, move, move. And everyone's laughing. They don't know if this is part of the show. And I know they don't know. So I'm going, this guy's going to kill me in front of all these people. And they're going to think, what a great show. You know, that looked real. And I get up by these people. I'm like, seriously, dude, stop. I'm kind of swinging my foot at him. I said, quit it. He goes, come down here. I said, are you really going to hit a guy in a straight jacket because he made a joke? You're really going to hit me? He goes, I will beat your ass. And before I could say anything else, this gentleman on my left, about three feet from me, stands up, looks at the guy and points at him and says, you need to go. And I look at the guy and I'm thinking, oh, awesome, I got someone on my side, you know, at least somebody with arms, you know. And, and the guy goes, mind your own business. The gentleman reaches in to his back pocket and comes out with a badge. He's a Louisiana State Trooper. Now, a lot of people don't know about Louisiana State Troopers. But at one point in time, up until the 60s or 70s, there was a height requirement. You had to be at least 6'2 to be a state trooper. To this day, I'm pretty sure they stick to that because they're all huge. And he drops a badge and he goes, no, I'm telling you, go. Now he's like a little kid in trouble. And he goes, but he called me gay or whatever, you know. The trooper goes, you walk through the man's show acting like an idiot and you got made fun of for doing it and he invited you three times to watch a show and you still want to give him problems you need to go his other friend says man you can't do anything you're off duty no sooner as he got that sentence out of his mouth six or seven more guys stand up and pull their badges out there's a freaking convention going on in new orleans for the state troopers and they're there with their families now the muscles in these dudes, I don't know, maybe it's just a mental thing for me, seemed to shrink. <laughs> they just started to wither. And they're looking at each other, and the one that wasn't really antagonizing everything says, 
we should go. <laughs> and Muscle Boy goes, I'll see you around, man, like that. And the trooper steps down between me and him and says, just go. And as they turned around to walk away, the trooper stands there. He gives me kind of a nod. And then he just gets this funny look in his eye, like a twinkle. Then he turns around and he goes, and you boys enjoy your date. Like that. Back at him. The crowd goes nuts. I'm like, yeah, Louisiana State Troopers. And they just went nuts. After that show was over, I was like, that eh, doesn't get any better than this. So <laughs> I, I packed my Plus, I was afraid those beefcakes were going to come back and kill me. <laughs> but and then we I kicked off down the street. But on oh, my epitaph, it'll be like uh, insulted steroid baby. Here he is. <laughs> Close <laughs> casket. <laughs> Doesn't know when to shut up. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's great. <laughs> Bobby Maverick didn't know when to shut it. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Stories from the Pitch is produced by the Busker Hall of Fame. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. If you like what we're creating, head to the Busker Hall of Fame website and click on the donate button to throw some cash into our online hat. Your contributions really do make this podcast a reality. Music for this episode came from Tim Sars and the Carnival Band from Vancouver. Links to both Tim's work and the Carnival Band are posted in the notes section for this episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website, so do check them out. Got a story to tell? Something you think we could improve? Or perhaps you're interested in becoming a sponsor of an upcoming episode? If so, drop me a line at cbg at buskerhalloffame.com. On behalf of myself, co-producer Lindsay Lindbergh, who both captured this story and created the preliminary edit, and the rest of the staff of the Busker Hall of Fame, we hope this finds you well. And as you perform for audiences around the world, please remember to use your superpowers for good. I'm David Aiken, the Checkerboard Guy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>